This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. everyone to another episode of Rocks to Roots podcast, conservation conversations from the backyard to the back 40. This is a very special episode. I'm your host, Hillary, and with me today is our production ag manager, Ty Meyer. Hi, Hillary. Hi, Ty. How's it going? It's great. Good morning to be here with Ray and you. Yes. Well, um, so I want you to have the opportunity to introduce yourself. Um, You do a lot here at the district, and so tell everybody what you do. You bet. Thanks, Hillary. Uh, Again, Ty Meyer, I'm the production ag manager. I've been here 17 years with the conservation district working with farmers in the region on direct seed and no-till implementation. So uh, really excited to be here with Ray and have the opportunity to see him again. Yes. So yeah, we have, a, <laughs> we have a very special episode because we are talking all about our Farm and Food Symposium that's coming up on November 5th and 6th here in Spokane at the Centennial Hotel. This is a two-day in-person event where farmers, ag industry professionals, and other conservation partners will gather to gain a deeper understanding of the ecological practices and the economic incentives of regenerative farming. And I want to give a shout out to uh, this year's sponsors. Um, This conference was made possible this year with the support from the Office of Farmland Preservation, the Spokesman Review, and Northwest Farm Credit Services. Um, But without further ado, I would love to introduce our keynote speaker who is joining us today on the podcast, Ray Archuleta. Hi, Ray. Hi, Hillary. It's good to see you, and it's good to see Ty also. I uh, I think it's been several years, right, Ty, that maybe we've seen each other before? Yes, I think it's been about seven, eight years. Wow. And I tell you, when I went to Washington, I was so it's so exciting. What an amazing state. What a, an amazing, beautiful state with a huge amount of resources. Amazing soil, too. Yeah, and it, let me tell you, it's going to be beautiful, hopefully, up here. Hopefully, this weather holds out for us because we got hues of orange and red and yellow right now and it's it's awesome um so ray i want to jump in and get everybody excited about the conference but first of all for those who might not know a whole lot about you can you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself and um, your background with agriculture oh well thank you hillary yeah uh i started my career i've been i retired with uh from nrcs i worked for them for 30 years Started as a conservation technician designing irrigation systems, then worked in Missouri for five years as a water quality irrigation nutrient specialist after I graduated from college. Then I put five years in Oregon, lived on the Idaho side, again, very much involved with arid agriculture, irrigated agriculture. Then I became the national 
saw a health specialist, which was kind of a miracle. And that's where I started having my epiphanies and, and realize, you know, uh, uh, realized that agriculture was kind of on the wrong path. I started realizing that a lot of my education, I realized I was taught out of context. And so I put 30 years then, and I also have a 155 acre farm in Seymour, Missouri. It's a tiny little ranch. I raise hair sheep, some cattle, and plan to raise some bees. But that's what I decided to do when I retired. And so I still go all over the country teaching and consulting and teaching people how to mimic nature. And I also started Understanding Ag. I was a co-founder of Understanding Ag and Soil Health Academy. And it's a foundation that a nonprofit. And the reason we uh, started that is because we weren't getting enough consultants or enough people educated that were coming out of the university system that were ecologically focused. Um, and one of my one of my biggest weakness when I got out of college is that they never taught me the real goal of what farming really was, and that was to mimic nature, to to emulate it, to work with it, to work in synergy with it, to uh, nurture it, and to understand it. And I was taught it's all about yield, uh, inputs, use the tillage, force it, make it into a factory. It's all about making the bottom line. And now we're saying we can do that, but in a more loving and understanding way and work with it and save huge amounts of inputs. And, and, and I call it, and I'll say this last word, is that now I call it freedom agriculture, freedom from the, for the land. It's freedom and healing agriculture because freedom from the, for the landowner's sake that he's free from all these inputs, free from the government, free from everybody. And the more you work and flow with the natural system, uh, I think that's what farmers and ranchers want, like myself. I, I want freedom. And I think this is what regenerative agriculture is about, healing and freedom. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so our conference theme um, this year is better soil, better food, better health. They're all intertwined. They all work, like you say, in synergy with each other. And you have been so generous to give us two keynotes at the conference this year. And in mm -hmm. addition, you're also going to be hosting a growers panel, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. Um, yeah. But so your first keynote that you're going to be talking about is understanding key indicators of soil and ecosystem function. And without giving anything away, can you just kind of give us a little brief description of what that one will cover? Well, sure. I, I thought the first one was going to be um, regenerative agriculture, the the butterfly effect on how it's going to change the world. Or you is are that correct? I'm looking at my notes wrong. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, uh, it's okay. Right it's okay because I yeah. It's a regular because I, I do that often too. So, but I, I love that title. And um, I'm just going to tell you, uh, I'll just, uh, the reason I chose that title is uh, scientists are finding out that everything is intimately connected. And the tiny things we do in our lives have a huge impact and can create great changes throughout the globe because we now know that everything, especially in complex systems, like your human body or uh, soil ecosystems, the tiny things you do can make a huge impact. It can be positive or negative. And so what I want to talk about is how powerful regenerative, regenerative agriculture is going to, how it's going to heal the planet. And, and just to make sure that everybody understands what regenerative agriculture is, 
you know, and I always use this term when I, when I'm talking to a large audience, I pick a couple and I said, well, how does it feel to be, and just example, how does it feel to be married to Ty? And let's imagine that Ty's wife's right next to him. Well, how does it feel to be married to Ty? Well, it's sustainable. <laughs> and then people said, well, that sucks. It's just sustainable. But if I ask Ty's wife, how does it really feel to be married to him? Oh my God, it's regenerative. It's renewal of life. It's always getting better life. It's, I love that man. Every time I look at it, my, my love is always growing, getting better. Do you see the difference in regeneration? It's a renewal of heart and mind. It's always, this, the planet does this all the, all the time. It renews itself. And so do your bodies. And so I tell people, if you want to know how your body works, the soil works, look at your body. It does the same thing, same common co concepts in ecological and biological systems. So my whole point is to show how one person in a community can change the whole community and may even change the whole agriculture scheme. And I've seen it. And I'll be able to show some things from uh, from from Chihuahua, Mexico. I just got back a week ago and how they're restoring the deserts and making them come back to prairies. I'm excited about that. And yeah. think about it. They only get six to 11 inches of rain. And so, Ty, you know, what's the first thing when farmers tell us over there in your area? Oh, we don't have enough rain. Right. I hear that everywhere. Right. Absolutely. That's, and, and so I'm saying, uh-uh we can change and heal the planet very quickly. So I'm, I'm going to bring a lot of hope and show you uh, a lot of hope and without excuses. And because I hear a lot of that. Yes. Well, I love your, your marriage example. I just have to say that that definitely got me there. Um, yeah. So yes, very excited. So your first keynote is the regenerative agriculture, the butterfly effect that will change the agricultural world. And then the second yep. one is the understanding key indicators of soil and ecosystem function. Yeah. Correct. Yep. And, and, see, and, and coming back to the human body again, when you go, when you go to the doctor, the doctor does a blood sample, fecal, saliva, do, does all kinds of CAT scan. Those are indicators of health and function. I'm going to talk about indicators of health and function in your soil ecosystem and how it's related to your agro ecosystem, because we've lost Hillary, the art of observation. And, and because I was taught out of context, I never really understood the goal. The goal again is teaching producers how to emulate the architecture, the patterns and the principles of nature. And there are indicators to see if you're going in that right direction. And, and that's why I love, I mean, that's why I love no-till, direct seed, because it, it follows one of the principles of regenerative agriculture. Nature doesn't till. We've known that for years. And so that's why direct seed is so wonderful. But one thing we forgot, we forgot to feed the soil. And direct, uh, uh, till, uh, direct seed stops the destruction of the house but it doesn't feed the soil ecosystem. You gotta have a living plant 24 seven. So, and so that's what the, I'm gonna do on my second talk, talk about key indicators that farmers can do themselves to say, hey, am I going the right direction? Am I going upward or downward in my ecosystem? Ray, I think that's a, a key point. I mean, our producers out here have, have done a lot to adopt direct seed and no-till 
over the years, but uh, we seem to have forgotten about the, the health of the soil. We've plateaued. We've seen yep. some uh, real huge improvements in soil organic matter and things, but uh, we've got, uh, I think, a new set of challenges to deal with. And I, I guess one of the questions I have for you is, you know, how yes. You know, how do we continue to, to move the needle with some of these folks that maybe soil health isn't on their radar right now? No, uh, good question, Ty. I tell you what, one of the most things I've observed, and I've been in every state from uh, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, millions of miles of travel, I've been around a lot of people. Here's what I've discovered. I can give the best message. I can use the, the soil demonstrations, and I, and I expect maybe one, to 2% will get it. And I work with them. And then they will be the beacon of that local community. And I help make sure that that person that got it, Ty, like you've been working with producers, that they are successful and continue pushing and, and doing field days, workshops. And then you'll be surprised. I've learned the hard way is that you don't try to push the message because the recipient isn't ready. I work with people that are ready. They're desperate. They're asking questions. They're, they know something's wrong like I did. I knew something was wrong and I could not put my finger. It's the people that are ready are going to make the massive changes because one of the biggest things I've seen regenerative agriculture is two, several things. You have to be incredibly committed. You have to have gone through a lot of suffering that you're ready for the message and you're really ready to commit and you're willing to really, really work hard to educate yourself and think, I'm going to be brutally honest. Regenerative agriculture is hard work. You have to think. You have to be a better manager. So I'm, I'm, I'm just being brutally honest. If you're not willing to think and you're not willing to learn, this is not for you. You just continue to be enslaved with all the chemicals and all the and all the high inputs and, and, and because freedom isn't for free. I think we forget that freedom isn't for free. So, you know, I have a young lady that's going to come to our workshop and she wants freedom. She says, I can't do it your way, dad. Uh, wheat and fallow, it's not working. It doesn't, it doesn't pay the bills. And, and, uh, and so she's thinking of, okay, we're going to fence it in. We're going to bring sheep. We're going to do, we're going to mimic nature. And, and so she's excited and to see that kind of excitement uh, in the young lady, because she's thinking outside the box, she's doing her own research. So Ty, I'm sorry for being so long winded about that, but the whole point, it really starts with a little seed and, it, it, and it, working with a leader and that leader, they, the neighbors watch, they watch. And that's why the needle is really dependent on how we're going to help those uh, because Let's be brutally honest, social conditioning is absolutely horrific in the local farm community. Everybody's against you because you're different. And so that's it's social conditioning and understanding that social conditioning component. And you get it in the government, you get it everywhere. That's what we humans do. If you're different, they're going to pound you. you bet. And so, I love the message of hope. It, yes. It's yeah. It's, it's about hope that we have the ability to change out there. And, and I, I got one more question for you here, Ray. And it, sure. it, out here eight years ago, and uh, that was the first time we had in you in front of our producers, but the message of, of healthy soil in front of our producers. And it seems, yeah. you know, in eight years, a few things may have changed as well. 
in the industry and maybe our understanding of regenerative agriculture and what it can do for yeah. producers. Uh, can you just sum up what that change might look like or, or what is it, you know, the, the landscape has, has evolved, I think, in our understanding. Yeah, 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 it has. Thank you, Ty. I, you know what I'm so excited about? We have now people pushing the envelope of going to organic no-till. We have a farmer at 7,000 acres, Rick Clark. He farms 7,000 acres. They told us organic no-till is impossible. impossible. And he's, um, he is now, uh, his inputs were close to six to $800,000 a year on 7,000 acres. None, they're all gone. All those inputs are, he's, uh, he has saved all those inputs, but he went from conventional to no-till to covers now to organic. I'm gonna tell you, he added several components to control the weeds. And one of the key ones and what nature does all the time, he added animals back into the system. In Indiana, 15 to $20,000 acre land and fencing it, that's unheard of. There's three guys in Dan DeSutter and Kelly Cheesewright. These three producers farm all of them farm 2,000 to 7,000 acres, and they're taking it to the level that they said it can never be done. What makes those guys very different than anybody else? They're thinkers. They're great managers. They're givers. They're always learning. They're tenacious. They don't give up. They know the goal. So the landscape's changed for, uh, for us. One thing we've known for a long time, even when we first bought that message eight years ago, why are you farming out of ecological context, guys? I told them, why don't you have animals in your system? And the first thing they do when you tell them you're bringing animals in the system, they go, whoa, 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 hold on, right? You know, we're going to run out of water. We don't have, I said, the problem is, guys, you don't give that land. It, it's so depleted. The soil is so degraded. It has no water holding storage capacity. And the only way you can build the soil, and I'm saying, I'm sorry, this is going to be brutal, but you got to have a living root 24-7. It, it, that's just the way it is. And you always have to think about the prairie. The prairie was always covered with diverse living plants and animals. So if you're going to emulate that and you're going to try and figure out how to put your annual crops in that, well, you got to have that infrastructure set up for it. Because if you don't, it's not going to work. And you can, you're going to struggle and struggle and struggle and you're barely going to get by. And, 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 and so I take those people that want to work with us, Ty, and you, and you know how it is, Ty. You work with those who want to work with you. And I, and I just wait for the other ones when they're ready. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, and one of the other great components of the conference will be that grower panel. And so we'll get to um, really have some one-on-one -on -one time with some of those growers and asking them those hard yeah. questions about what they've learned, what they're um, willing to change, what their operations are currently like, what their goals are. And so uh, thank you again, Ray, for agreeing to do that panel discussion. We're excited yeah. for that component. Another um, point I wanna bring up is that we also have designed a forestry track um, as well at this conference. And so um, you're also gonna be tying in um, those forestry components um, for those arborists and forestry professionals that are coming in. And can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, the, and it comes back to the butterfly effect. I just, I got to see, when I was in Mexico, we went to Copper, we went to Copper Canyon. Copper Canyon is four times bigger than the Grand Canyon. 
guys. Four times, and it's about elevation of 7,000 feet. Junipers, uh, conifers all over that forest. And it's about a 7,000 foot elevation. And you know what, it was so sad. And the local said, Ray, it's not supposed to be this dry. It's dry and it's hot. I had to take the covers off because, and we were at a ranch just the night before, which is about 300 meters close to, it was about a thousand feet lower and it was cooler there. So hold on a second. Why is it not cooler where the forest is at and why is it so dry? My whole point is to connect that the way we farm in Iowa impacts the forest and it, and it causes uh, the way we farm in the Midwest is impacting our forests in the West and causing more drought. And people don't understand, well, how can that be, Ray? Well, the reality is the water cycle, the small water cycle is really dependent on soil and plants evapotranspiring. So if the majority of the land is uncovered on the rest of the country, it's impacting Washington. It's impacting California. It's not just the management of the trees, which were, they were very critical when California was burning down. Well, the forest service is not doing a good job, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. You found, you're disconnected. New Mexico, my home state, fifth largest state is now absolutely a desert. It used to be a prairie. It had grass, it had cover. We have too much sensible heat being reflected from the surface. So I'm gonna connect that and say, look, it's not just you, but unless we get our forestry people, our BLM people, everybody online, that we got to change agriculture and we got to cover that soil, we're not going to be able to bring back and stabilize the climate. See, we've been blaming CO2, CO2, CO2. Oh, no, no, no. The biggest gas in the atmosphere is water. CO2 is only 3%. We missed the most simplest message, cover the soil. And it's impacting our forests. It's impacting everything else. And so it, and it took me a long time to connect those dots and, and we missed the point. And so I think that it ties intimately to forestry and how the forests are intimately communicating to each other and keeping themselves healthy through our mycorrhizae fungi. I got to meet the scientists that um, that that uh, you guys have seen the movie Avatar? Yes. <laughs> well, you remember that part where the, the, she said that the, for, the forest is communicating to each other? And you thought, well, I would like to have the same drugs that person has. How's that communicating? <laughs> right? right. And, but I'm going to show the little video clip. It's actual truth that she, she, she and I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to give everything away here, but how beautiful that the big trees are communicating to the little trees and they share carbon with each other. Here's the point, the elegance of connectness. Everything is connected. We're separating the forest from the farm, from everything else. We can't do that. Even we're connected, whether we like it or not. Us as humans, we're connected. So one of the biggest things that my college has taught, uh, did a really disfavor to me. It taught me disconnectness. You remember Ty, when you and I went to college? Agronomy, plant pathology, soil science, silo, silo, isolate, reductionist. Wrong concept. Biomimicry Institute says, no, put them all together. All these the, the engineers, the biologists, computer sciences, 
all of them under the same roof. So they communicate to each other. They connect with each other. It makes sense. And that's why we've had such a struggle in agriculture because what we did is we isolated through our reductionist science. And we need it, but not when you're healing the human body and when it comes to natural ecosystems. So I'm going to be able to address all those key components about how how intimate all of us should be working together uh, to solve these issues. Well, and Ray, you make a really good point there because I think one of the biggest um, things that we want to bring to the Farm and Food Symposium here in Spokane is that at, at, while we're talking to farmers and production ag and forestry professionals and conservation partners, this really is, these are really subjects that everybody needs to have knowledge about. And whether you're a consumer or a chef or, um, you know, a mom or anything, yep. we're talking about human health here and the connects that get us there, yep. and the important factors that play a role in that. So um, we're just really excited that you speak to such a broad audience as well. Yeah. The conference. yeah because, because, you know, uh, health has become very more critical. I've noticed why are my daughters in the 30s? having their gallbladder removed why are they having so much autoimmune what is my wife all of this is connected back to the soil again connectness and how intimately all of us are connected to the soil and to all the resources we act like being part of god's creation we kind of isolate and say well look we're special but no 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 you're part of it you've always been part of it and so what we do is we disconnect our food we disconnect everything so i think the mantra of the 21st century is going to be let thy food be thy medicine. Mm -hmm. And we'll be able to show some data how I got a little bit of the data that we got in a new book that's coming out by, uh, by um, Dr. David Montgomery. It's going to be fantastic. I think his title is going to be let thy, uh, you are what your food eats. Mm -hmm. And, and so we're, I see big companies down the road moving down the direction that, and we have, we've had general mills, we've had huge companies talk about regenerative agriculture and talking about nutrient dense food. This is becoming a big key. And the beautiful thing about millennials, 70% of them relabels, they relabels. So if you're growing ancient grains and if you're growing nutrient dense food, you're setting yourself apart from everybody and doing regenerative practices and you're farming regeneratively, you're putting yourself into the future of the 21st century. This is where it's going. Kicking or screaming, whatever you want, this is the way that we get not only freedom from the government, but freedom from the hospital. Freedom from a lot of sicknesses, cancer and disease issues comes back to the soil again. It always comes back to that and the way the foods are, foods are processed. So all of this stuff is intim intimately uh, connected. Mm -hmm. So um, you were also part of this fabulous movie called Kiss the Ground, which is um, available on Netflix. And um, just real quick, I just kind of want to know what your experience was with that. And um, you had mentioned a pretty crazy statistic about Kiss the Ground that um, I want you to share as far as when it came out. And um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was still working for the government, you know, Believe it or not, that was done seven years ago. Crazy. And I was, you know, because I was going around like I did in Washington. I was going around teaching farmers with the rain simulator and all those little demonstrations. And they, and this group called Kiss the Grounds, a nonprofit. We're young, very passionate young people that live in California. And 
And they saw my work and I didn't think anything. They were following me with a camera and I, I just never thought much of it. It took seven years to do that movie. Seven years. It came out in 2021, August of 20, uh, just let's 2020. I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, 2020. And I was like, I had forgotten about it. They got it into Netflix. I was shocked they got it into Netflix. And um, look, a key actor, uh, Woody Harrelson, narrated and did such an incredible job. What blew my mind when it came out and the COVID really helped because I think everybody was forced to stay inside and watch documentaries. I mean, let's face it, a movie or documentary, most people are going to choose a movie, right? <laughs> that must have been pretty desperate, but I'm telling you, millions of people have watched the documentary. Blown away. And I've had people come up to me and, and like my sister, she's a nurse and she says, started in tears. She goes, Ray, I didn't realize what you do. And I said, no, it's all of us. I said, it made the movie so simple and, and people, it connected with people. You don't know how many people came up to me. I loved it. I watched it seven times. People had tears in their eyes. This movie was meant for the general public. But we told Gabe Brown and I said, look, we're only going to be in the movie under these two conditions. One, it gives animal the glory that they deserve on healing the planet because they've been blaming cows as the destruction of the planet, environmental groups. I said, no, you're misunderstanding. We can't heal the land without the cows and grazing animals. Number two, I want this documentary to give hope. And I said, if it does not give, do those two things, I don't want to be in it. Kick me out. I don't, I don't care. I do not want to be in that. I'm sick and tired of environmental groups, movies. The world's coming to an end. It's all over. People shut down. They shut down. And people don't understand when you see these CAFOs and all these other things, they don't understand the context of that, that we created this over the last 60, 70 years because the majority of the people decided to go move into the city and you have less than one or 2% of our country fitting the other 350 million people. We created this programs, migration. We're all here to blame for this, but we're saying, let's fix it. Let's bring healing. Let's bring hope. This is not about tribalism. It's not about race. It's not about anything. It's about all of us and how the Native Americans and all of us need healing. All of us need healing. And so I love that movie. And that movie went through four different changes. In the final one, I got to see it like everybody else. I said, wow, I'm Josh, you listened. Because I thought he was going to make it a vegan, organic movie. I said, I don't want to be part of that. Mm -hmm. It's just not about that. It's deeper than that. It's higher than that. And it worked. And, and millions have watched it. And uh, I'm so excited about it. It's, uh, I, um, I had given up hope on it. And it turned out to be a miracle. Yes, it's a fabulous documentary. And again, if you have not seen Kiss the Ground, make sure you go and check it out on Netflix. Well, Ray, we are just so excited to have you joining us in Spokane here in just a few short weeks. Um, I just kind of in closing, want to know what you're excited about and what you hope the main key takeaways are for um, our attendees at this conference. Well, look, I, I have never, I'll just be honest with you, about, about 15, 16 years ago, I was, I was a district conservationist and I was working in, lived in Idaho side, work on the Oregon, and I would cross the Snake River all the time. And I was, I was about 40 years old. I was about halfway through my career. I was pretty depressed. As I said, you know, 
every time we turn the irrigation season, we're putting pivots, we're doing all these things. Why is the water still dirty? Why is the reservoir still being filled with sediment? In fact, there was an incident where dogs died because they drank the water in one of the Brownlee Reservoir and got and, and I got algal blooms. And another thing is that why cannot farmers with less than 500 acres not bring their son and daughter into the operation? I got to see, I started to hate agriculture. I'll just be honest, even in my own little 11 acres, I would work, work on the 11 acres and, and, and it permeated, the attitude permeated. I could see it with my daughter because I, 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 I started to see things as drudgery. I saw no hope and I took that personally. It really bothered me. But it wasn't until I read Alan Savory's book and heard him speak in, in 19, the early 2000 and went to Gabe Brown's ranch in 2007. And I had that epiphany that now I know the goal. Now I have hope. I never had hope for agriculture. I, I really mean that because I've been in every state, guys. And I didn't see it. I, I just, we were just going down a cliff and I just didn't feel like there was a way to stop it. But ever since we, this soil health movement started with small, now there's millions of hits, billions of hits of, on, on, on Google, 9,000 videos and all this. But it's just not me. It's people like Ty and you as a collective are getting it. We finally understand the goal. Mimic nature, nurture it, emulate it work with the design oh my gosh now i've seen farmers and ranchers come to me and says ray i love farming i love it now because i had a 71 year old man came and listened to our school sold everything went to no-till covers and he says ray i have hope now that's what this is about it's about finally knowing the goal and and i'm never going to sway from it because now i know what the design is there's nothing worse in life, Ty and Hillary, not to know the goal of what you're supposed to be here for. It's frustrating because you're just walking around in the dark and you really, and you don't have a standard. You don't have a, a beacon to look at. So now I question all research, all researchers, all medical doctors. If it doesn't emulate the design of the body or give it glory or to the natural system, go back and go do some more work. You don't have it yet. So that's what I, I, I feel that uh, I'm so excited about. And, and we're gonna push this until I become part of the microbes. I, I realize all of us, what we do is important. Like you doing this podcast is important. Every tiny thing we do in our lives makes a huge difference. I didn't used to believe that, boy, was I wrong. So I hope we can carry that message. And I really thank you too for having me on your podcast. And I hope that we can kind of share that message of hope to the, to the audience uh, when I'm there in a couple of weeks. And I'm excited. Yeah. Well, Ray, we appreciate you being on this podcast. Yeah. And um, yeah, for our listeners, in addition to Ray, we have a great lineup of um, some other fantastic local professionals and speakers coming yeah. in talking about um, regenerative ag investment opportunities. And um, we also have that forestry track. And also if you're a consumer, make sure you're at this conference. You vote three times a day with your dollars. So um, come get informed, um, get to know your farmers, get to know your food better. 
All of the information is on our website at spokanecd.org. And we also um, have a virtual option available as well um, if you are not able to attend in person. Um, but make sure November 5th and 6th, the Farm and Food Symposium at the Centennial Hotel featuring Ray Archuleta. Ray, we can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Ty and you guys. It's good to see you guys. I'm really Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.